in terms of mindfulness and you know, finding stillness, what, what inspired you to bring that into the classroom? I think just the nature of kindergarten has really inspired me to bring stillness and mindfulness um, into the classroom. Um, I mean, for both the kids and for myself, I feel like when you're micromanaging 20 plus little ones, it's, I define it as you're organizing chaos constantly, <laughs> um, which can be really fun, but it can also be really stressful at times too. So when I'm stressed, I've, especially this year, really noticed how it affects the kids. When I'm scattered and, and running a million miles per hour, so are they. In return, like I said, a lot of chaos <laughs> when, when no one is regulated. What's kind of inspired me to do that is bringing in mindfulness and being able to be still for a few moments of just clarity in the day. We do full day kindergarten, so they're with me for Six, five, six hours of the day. I feel like it's really important in order for everyone to regulate, have that, that strategy to be still and to take a minute to just take a breath. That's all you're working on is your breath. There, it, it actually goes down to not even just meditating, but like being, noticing things in the classroom, like notice how you have to use scissors. Like it comes down to safety, right? Like bringing, um, at, at the beginning of the year, I always give them scissors and ask them, what do you notice about them? Oh, they're sharp, right? Okay, well, are we going to be safe and how are we going to be safe? And you have all these little conversations from all these noticing, I guess. I just tell them to notice. And yeah, that's kind of kind of why I brought it in for my mental yeah. clarity and theirs. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of where you've started with it, just just noticing. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. I feel like as a teacher and and I've always had that mind for mindset that I have to be teaching them something. I have to bring something to them and and teach them about it. Um, but the past couple of years, I've really started to be like, well, sometimes when I bring in the topic or I bring in the, the idea, it doesn't always work. And whereas if I get them to draw their attention to things and I let them kind of run with it, it makes their, their learning more authentic and more fun. And it, they drive it versus me being like, okay, today we're learning about dinosaurs or, you know, they, they, as fun, as fun as dinosaurs can be, it's not always what they want to learn about. So yeah, money, I feel that that's like been like my biggest lesson with coaching is that if I'm trying to ever push something onto somebody, a lot of times you're met with resistance, but if I make them a part of the, the experience, you know, and I empower the athlete, they are much more motivated to learn, take on challenges, and it's cool. It's a cool 100%. deal. This summer, I listened to a PD. Um, the guy's name was Tom Drummond. They call him Teacher, Teacher Tom. He made mention that 80% of our language when speaking with kids, and I'm sure in coaching this would pertain to, 80% of your language is a command. Not that you're trying to be like a drill sergeant or anything, but that's kind of like your job in a sense is to tell people what to do in whatever avenue you want to take that, but you are telling people what to do, right? So that, that really resonated with me, 80%. That's like, go get dressed, go put your shoes on, take out your pencil, you know, all those little things, they add up. But in return, that's like welcoming rebellion. Like they, they want, they don't, they don't, nobody wants to be told what to do, right? So I think if we like are mindful of our language and like you said, like um, bringing the athlete or the, the, the student into their own learning, it's going to be self-initiated and also they're going to retain it better. They're going to want to learn how to do that next move or how they're, how they're going to want to learn to count or whatever it is, right? Um, I think that 
that reaction is a lot more welcoming when when it's not a command but versus you're bringing them into their learning yeah so alicia could you take me through maybe some basic strategies or just some some things that you've done i, I know you've described like this this idea of being the the, the noticer or being the witness mm -hmm. um but but could you kind of just describe like what that would look like in your classroom for sure. I mean, in different times of the day, it looks different. So I might just walk you through a couple parts of our day to kind of explain. We, I always, I, I strongly believe in like a slow start to the day. The school I work at, there's kids whose their basic needs aren't, aren't met at home. Every day they come in and we go outside. Like they don't even take their clothes off. We come inside, we sit down and we do attendance. And I, this is the time like between announcements and O Canada. It's like about five minutes by the time the kids sit down. I just take time and we just talk like I don't really get them to put their hands up they can talk to each other they can talk to me and it's my general check-in to see how everyone's doing who needs breakfast who had woke up on the wrong side of the bed <laughs> you know all those little things that I once I usually take time for that um, in previous years but like this year I've really noticed it's so important um, and again like not just for them but for me too because it's sometimes um, I've, especially considering the nature of this year, I've, I've had a lot of anxiety sometimes coming to work, um, as I'm sure a lot of people have. And just knowing that you're not jumping right into it at the beginning of the day is kind of just an, an anxiety easer. You get to breathe and talk and no one's looking at you specifically. It's just you come in and you wake up. <laughs> But anyway, after that, we go outside and I, I have the wagon I always bring outside and it has different, I call them loose parts. They're just anything really like I have blocks in there. I have sticks in there, pine cones, just little things that the kids can use in their play any way they want. It's not like um, a designated toy that, you know, it's not a truck. A truck is a truck. It can't really be anything else, but these things are things that the kids can imagine and play and create with. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I bring trucks out too. The kids love that too. But anyway, I bring this, this wagon out and I let them just explore with them. They, they kind of just do, this is their time to regulate. Like they can play on the play structure, they can run, they can jump, they can scream, they can kind of do whatever they want. But my role in there, and I often hang around the wagon, is I just sit there and I provoke their play. I listen a lot during that time to um, see how they're playing with each other, how they're socially interacting. Rarely in intervene unless it's uh, like in their play, unless it's unsafe. So if they're not using a stick appropriate way or, you know, different things. Like I bring hammers out sometimes and it's, that's, I really sit close to those. Um, but again, I, I do the initial teaching of how to be safe with the hammer. And then I sit there and I just, I watch and see how they, they do. And, and you know what, 98% of the time they are, they're fine. I, I don't I don't have to remind them to be safe. Um, I it's really fun to watch them because they're so imaginative. And I think that if I taught the way I usually I used to teach, I or my first year as I was just learning, I think that I would take away from a lot of that creativity, the creativity that I don't have that kids do. Um, so I think just being mindful of like how I I, I speak to the kids during those times and sometimes I sit down and write what they are saying too, just to see how I can bring that into the classroom setting. Specifically speaking to like their interests and stuff, like what they're imagining and how they're playing with each other or, you know, a story I could read that could help a kid socially interact better, those type of things. So that's one way I'm kind of mindful in, in teaching and, and teaching them to 
do different things as like my, my role as a provocateur versus a, a teacher driven activity. We also have what I call explore time in my class and it's uh, our playtime. But again, I, I, I give very open-ended materials at our playtime and, and same sort of role. I'll go sit with them and just listen to their play or see how I can help them learn what they need to learn through how, how they're already playing. Um, but yeah, our playtime is a little bit different in terms of like, I have those very open-ended materials, but then I also have specific learning tubs that it's like, okay, if this student really needs to work on recognizing numbers, then I can like make a playful approach in, in teaching them that through this learning center sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit more amped up than just being super open-ended at the beginning of the day, but very similar. I and mean, I've, I've just found that kids enjoy that and, and respond so much more, so much more well to that too. So yeah, those are two ways, but something that is really concrete in our schedule. Every day after lunch, um, for a half an hour, it's like our, I call it our body break time. And we always start off with yoga. That's been kind of a fun thing for me. I used to rely on, you know, uh, like a, a video of some sort to teach us yoga. And I draw back on that every once in a while, but I've been really, you know, just from like, I've been doing a lot of yoga lately. So yeah. I've just, uh, teaching them through what I've been learning, but making it kind of fun for kids. So instead of holding and being still, I often look, get them to be loud during yoga. <laughs> just to counteract back because after we do yoga, we have a little meditation time where they lay down. Um, so I think it's really important for them to get all the energy out and be silly and be funny and then learn as a strategy yeah. that, okay, it's okay to be have fun and be crazy, but then we have to learn to be still and, and calm our bodies. Yeah, we do fun yoga. So just like an example um, for like uh, cat and cow, when we go up for, for cow or for cat, sorry, everyone meows like a cat. And then we'll go down for dog or for cow, sorry. And uh, they'll moo like a cow. And, you know, we just, it's a lot of animal based things because kids love, that's a, a given. Kids love animals. <laughs> yeah. Or when we go to Cobra, I'll, I'll teach them the snake breath. So we'll be in Cobra and Cobra will take a deep breath and then we'll hiss our breath out. Um, so making it animated and fun for them in that way. And then they enjoy doing it. They want they want to do those breaths when they're upset and, and stuff like that. So um, I'm giving them the strategy when they're happy and well and excited and then they are able to transfer a little bit more into situations where it's um, upsetting, right? So like, whenever a kid's upset, I, I ask them to choose a breath or if they're too upset, I'll just give them one. Okay, let's do a snake breath together. And they do that and then we can kind of talk about what, what happened. Um, oh man, I love that. Yeah. yeah. But our, our meditation time or our body break time after yoga, we always do yoga and then we end in corpse pose. Do different things with this. Sometimes I, I start off by using my own voice to guide them through some sort of meditation. And usually it's a body scan uh, of sorts to get them just to draw attention and notice their bodies. And this definitely works better for some than others. Some kids um, have a hard time staying still during the guided meditation. And I, I really truly don't worry too much about that because I think that it's helping enough kids that if there's some kids still being wiggle bodies, that's just what they need and that's okay. We, yeah, when, when, when I tell, I tell them that when everyone's still, I put a big gem on their forehead. So it's like about probably this big and it's like a glass bead flat on one side and round on the other. Usually it's cold too, just from being in the classroom. But I say when their body is calm, I'll come over and I'll give you a gem on your forehead. And that has been remarkable to see 
how the kids react to that. And some of my wiggliest wiggly bodies, like who can't sit still. Actually, I have two kids diagnosed with ADHD in my class and I've timed them and they, they can lay flat on their back with that gem on their forehead for up to five minutes now. Wow. Um, and not moving a muscle. <laughs> so I just think that's the coolest thing. And then they, they, I've, I've noticed like their behavior has um, been a little bit more regulated too since the beginning of the year, um, given their, they've grown too. But I think that doing those exercises, they're um, a little more equipped to be able to relax their body and control their body too in certain times of the day. Yeah, I love that. There's so many good things. I mean, the one thing that I love is that you're like starting to establish, you know, healthy coping mechanisms. So when I do get upset, you know, what do I do? You know, like, can I check in with my breath? How, how can I find stillness again? And that's really cool. The one thing I was talking to um, Graham Bechart, he's a, a mental skills coach. He's worked in the NBA. He's worked um, all over. And the one thing he talked about when I asked him how to integrate mindfulness with with the players as, as coaches he talked about the first step is that you need to be the model you know you need to model it first and understand these concepts before you can start teaching them so when you're teaching the kids obviously you went through your own you know your own inner work your own process and obviously um, just knowing you a little bit you're still doing that what would you say to people just like where, where would you where would be a good place to start as, as, you, as we try to model this behavior? Absolutely, that's a big thing. And I think an ongoing, I'm caught like constantly learning how to, how to regulate my own self. But um, I think the first step is taking care of yourself. Going into this year, that's what I focused on is how, what's my mental health contingency plan? What's, um, how am I okay? Like, what can I, how can I keep myself okay just so I can be okay for others? Psychologist um, in, in schools, her name's Dr. Jody Carrington. I started listening to her at the beginning of the year and she gave me a lot of these strategies and how, how I would start with bringing it into the classroom. And she is a big believer in co-regulation. So exactly what you kind of just said um, with Graham is, is we, the kids don't know how to regulate. So if I'm not regulated or I can't model being calm, then they don't really stand a chance in knowing how to do that. I, I really show how to, I model calm often, and that's not something I've always learned. I think it's really easy to go, when a kid is like screaming, it's really easy to get frustrated and be like, why, what am I gonna do with this kid, right? But I, I've, I've really taken that um, by the harness this year and just modeling calm even when I don't feel calm. Yeah. And most like mostly in the classroom, I think that there's definitely a time and space for myself to um, be emotional and 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 kind of unwind. Like if you hold it in all the time, it's it's not going to work. But that's part of taking care of yourself. Um, so number one step for me for sure is to take care of yourself um, emotionally, physically. I think they're all they're all connected. Kind of interesting. I I learned this language in my um, my last placement at U of R by my cooperating teacher. Her name was Lindsay Stewart amazing teacher um, but she gave me this language it's called Feeny language and it's um, little deal and big deal so little deals are little because there's always something you can do so for an example it's a little deal where you are in line 
because it changes every time because you know a lot of kids are like I want to be first I want to be first or sometimes I want to be last it's like who <laughs> who cares <laughs> and that was always my initial thing who cares where you are in line it doesn't matter you know but instead of freaking out I always give them a way to um it's a little deal where we are in line it changes every time so it gives them um a they know how to act before they have time to react and I think that that's um part of co-regulation and teaching the kids how to, um, like you said, act before they have time to react. But, um, and then big deals are, are things that are a little bit, they're able to be fixed, but they're a little bit tougher to fi be fixed. So having that constant dialogue with kids, or you could even use this in, in coaching is how to, ha like, this is a little deal be because, you always have to follow with a because. Um, and I found that even though she was teaching me that um, language for the me to use with the kindergartens, I felt that um, it helped me a lot in my life <laughs> um, with number of different things. So um, yeah, that's just another thing that I, I uh, there we go, I fixed it. I, I found really helpful with um, mindfulness because, and reactivity in particular. Oh man, that's so good. I mean, um, I, I've started to just become more aware of that actually through Coach Taylor at U of R. I mean, there's times I'll come into the office and obviously not as much with COVID now, but especially when we were practicing, it's like, you know, coach, you know, this happened, this happened, da, da, da. Like, I'll just like start telling the story and coach is just like, you know, he pretty much smiles at me and he doesn't say a word. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is probably meaningless stuff and we don't need to make a big deal about it. I need to be assertive <laughs> and be a problem solver in this moment. But it's really cool. Cause he, he just, he's taught me, especially running a program, you know, the things that are most important versus things it's like, you know, maybe today that's not something that's a priority. So I really appreciate that. And I love that language because I think the things that you're saying, it's amazing because the things that you're saying can really apply to our athletes, you know, athletes that are 18, 19, 20 years old, but also like you said, in our own lives as coaches, as teachers, and it's really refreshing. Absolutely. It is absolutely. Oh, thanks. <laughs> That's funny you bring that up about about Dave because absolutely he he was always that kind of guy who very he's not very reactive often when you go talk to him. He just um, a good listener. But you're right. He's able to like um, frame what's important now, and I'll listen. But maybe that's not important today. And I think that that's a big lesson to learn for for everyone, um, especially during during COVID too, because there's a lot of those things that feel like big deals initially. Yeah. Right on. Well, thanks for coming on. I think we'll we'll yeah. we'll finish it. That was great. That was really awesome. great. It's like I said. I think it's 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 refreshing and it's cool for me because I've had. I'm not saying the guests haven't been good. They've been very good and they've said a lot of cool things. But where you've where the things that you've experienced and what you bring to the table are super unique. And I think sometimes it's like, I like from a kindergarten teacher, I'm taking the things that you're doing and I just reverse engineer them and I'm able to apply them. Um, and, and it makes people think because it, it just gets us out of thinking about practices and, and working with the athletes and seeing a new perspective. So. I really appreciate it. I think it's it's yeah. going to be helpful. Well, thank you for thank you for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be on the podcast. <laughs>